Have you seen the I did that stickers? Mm-mm. At gas pumps? I haven't. With a picture of Uncle Joe pointing. Oh, really? Yeah. And and so the pointing is at the gas price. Sorry, for a minute I thought you were talking about like like Urkel. Like, did I do that? Right, except here we have somebody with the, the admission, like, mm-hmm. you know, kind of reveling in the doing of that. Incidentally, speaking of Urkel, do you know what charcuterie is? I do, but I didn't know how to even say it until probably the last year. I don't know, maybe 18 months or something. I hadn't even heard of that 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 term until this year. Wait, you're married to Jessica Travis. How do you not How are you not like deep in charcuterie lore? Well, she, she knew the word, I did not. And having had many uh like many a charcuterie uh ex- episode experience, I don't know. <laughs> Charcuteries. Yeah. I mean, I, many a charcuterie. I'm a fan. Oh yeah. How do you not be a fan? And I I got to say I think I think Urkel's the pioneer. Is he? Got any cheese? <laughs> I think that's where the intro music comes in. <laughs> <laughs> Cuz man, I love me some cheese. All right. Is that is that is that our banter? This is that that's our banter. So this is episode thirty nine of Deuterocanons. I'll tell you the title later. But before I go any further, my name is Justin, and with me always is Byron. Party on, Byron. Party on, Justin. So episode thirty nine is entitled Communion, more than just a word in a bulletin. <laughs> Did you add that like subtitle just now? Yeah, but I thought of it back when we were talking about it. I just didn't say it. I wanted it to be a surprise. More than just a word in a bulletin. Yeah. Mm. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. 2022. Yep. How many times have you screwed that up so far? Zero. Zero times. Is that because you haven't had enough days of work? Have you had any days of work? I've had one day of work. I've had more days of work than that. <laughs> well, every, every day is a day of work because I have to build a house. Well, and here's the thing. I think once again, we need to grovel and... and and apologize to our, our 30 people audience because we have not been posting consistently. Uh, but some of that is outside our control. We've, we, if, if y'all didn't know, y'all didn't know we're in Kentucky and the weather has been atrocious. It'll be 70 degrees and then it'll be 30 degrees and then there's a tornado and then it snows five inches. So I went back to work last Wednesday. My first day of work was Wednesday, which is a really odd day to start work. Did one day of work and then went into two snow days after two weeks of leave. Of vacation how did it feel um i wasn't complaining yeah i mean there's definitely some things i need to get done but also yeah it'll be there <laughs> man get this so so we had a we had snow days as well obviously and on thursday i, I had been scheduled to go to bowling green for a training mm-hmm. that got moved to zoom and because it got moved to zoom it didn't get canceled oh man yeah it's kind of like the uh, downside of being able, being able, I'm rolling my eyes for those of you playing at home, yeah. being able to work at home. Although <clears throat> a lot of guys in my organization have managed to prolong their leave yet another 10 days. Five, <laughs> Wait, it's down to five, isn't it? Five now? if they're not symptomatic. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. When also, I look at everything's a symptom now. When I look at the list of symptoms, 
I could really have COVID on any given day, you know. Fatigue? Fatigue. Check. Headache? Sure. <laughs> Mild nausea? Mild nausea. I mean, how, like, how, how does that not happen surrounded by either A, soldiers, or B, middle schoolers? Yeah. You know, nausea is going to occur. It is. Frequently, perhaps. I mean, we had some chicken chili the other night, and uh, it didn't settle too well with me. Maybe it's COVID. It's, it, yeah, it definitely is. I checked WebMD just now. <laughs> Easy. You're no expert. Um, what are you doing over there? I'm going to suck on a cough drop a little bit while mm, we do this. I'm not sure I feel about that. Really? Mildly, un- mildly unprofessional. Only if I chomp on it. Like, it. like if I start crunching this thing in your ear, yeah, that'd be unprofessional. Do we need to be professional? This isn't our profession. It's not, uh, we're, we're, But we're professing. We dabble. Are we? We're also oh. mediating, apparently. Right. Lots of things. Yes. A lot of gerunds. <laughs> uh, so how are we going to do this? Okay, so we should probably explain what, what how we intend to attack this first episode of 2022. Yeah, long awaited, much anticipated, well, long overdue, frankly. So last week, last week being what was it, January the? I mean, it was the second. second, correct? Yeah, January second to January. Byron was on to lead the communion meditation, preside over the table, as mm-hmm. it were. And I was slated to preach. This week was the reverse, except I didn't preside. So I guess it's not really a reversal at all. It's not. No, you just preached. No. You were just warming a pew this week. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> Sorry about that. I paid attention. You were listening actively, I noticed. Thank you. Yep. I appreciate there, that. Yes. And uh, the, the strong points of your sermon notwithstanding, uh, last week... Byron presented, and he always does this, and I'm not just saying that because he, he's sitting right here within, I don't know, kick distance of me, <laughs> and he can probably kick pretty hard, but he, he really does give excellent communion meditations, and... My goal is to steal your thunder with every communion meditation. Well, you do. <laughs> I have no thunder left by the, t- by the time I get up there, and it, it was really interesting uh, how that particular one, which happens a lot here at Allensville, like if you just sort of pay attention to everything, which I guess you're supposed to do at church, mm-hmm. ideally, stuff goes together. Except your phone, perhaps. Good point. Yeah. <laughs> just saying, I stand in the back on the computer. There's a lot of people on the phone. Mm. As as you are, continue. Yeah. So a lot of times the the scripture so there's no coordination other than uh, like I send a schedule out at the start of the month telling people what what they're supposed to do when basically you know such and such person mm-hmm. lead, lead the communion meditation such 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 person read a scripture okay like Todd's leading the songs but a lot of times like the the scriptures and the songs and the communion meditation and the sermon usually are are with somehow within the realm of you know, similarity, like there's some, some unity mm-hmm. to what's being talked about. And I know you could say, well, it's all about Jesus. Right. Or it's all about God or it's all about the Bible. It's like, okay, yeah, yeah. But it's, it's also usually more specific than that. I mean, sometimes, I mean, it, it's happened so frequently that like th- there's no use even counting, but times when the scripture that, that one of the kids picks out to read yep, is either the text that I'm going to preach from or it's right before or right after mm-hmm. or on the same topic for sure like that's that's very common yep 
and there's i mean you know a lot of a lot of churches coordinate that like like they and i think that there's value to that mm-hmm. to to kind of have this like a theme mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. it makes sense i don't think there's anything wrong with that sort of planning but it's really cool when it happens without planning for sure <clears throat> and so that that happened last week so byron what did you share at the table okay um I'm going to try and take what I said and then, but make it conversational here. So, you know, I, I started off by explaining that. Um, so, one of the things I'm doing with the kids downstairs is working on on public speaking, and the reason for that is because in the Bible we're called to give an account, <clears throat> and we've discussed before in the men's meeting. Um, you know how we need to maybe focus on some of the skills sometimes, which. It's interesting because when we, we talk about spiritual gifts, I think people confuse that sometimes because I think there are probably, uh, th- well, there are obviously specific gifts that are unique to individuals, but then I think there are some things that are kind of like skills that should be common to all. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I guess being able to lead a prayer is not a spiritual gift per se. I think that's more like a, a skill. Well, I mean, it's one of those things that, that everyone can do but somebody might be but you don't have to uh, yeah prayer probably isn't like a spiritual gift even if somebody happens to lead a like gifted or i almost hate to use this term but anointed right prayer like you know well and it, i mean i don't know maybe if you know the scripture quickly of, of where it discusses spiritual gifts um we we could turn there but th- I, there are a couple there there's one in Romans one in 1 Corinthians but it, it's been my experience that people will almost claim that like, I I think like teaching Sunday school is one where it's (laughs) like, well, that's not my spiritual gift. It's like, really watching three-year-olds color pictures, not your spiritual gift. Singing some songs, telling a story, (laughs) wiping a nose. Right. Uh, well, I'm just here to be spiritually fed. Okay. Well you ate last month. So (laughs) now you're cooking. (laughs) Anyhow, man, we've gone off the rails already. So, anyways, talking to the teens about uh, about public speaking, and, and and so the reason for that again is we're we're all we're called to give an account. So certainly there are people that are more gifted at preaching, but we're also all called to give an account. And certainly we've seen in the Bible situations where people who are maybe not strong public speakers or uh, maybe not in that role normally uh, taking up that role. And so the 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 um, examples I pointed to was. Moses. So Moses is called to go before Pharaoh and he's like, but I'm not good at speaking in public. And he's like, I don't care. <laughs> You're going anyways. <laughs> Aaron will be your, your mouthpiece. And, but if you read on, you see where he ends up speaking more for himself. I pointed out uh, the apostles before the Sanhedrin. And that was significant because again, these were fishermen. Um, and these were not I guess I don't remember what what we could turn to Acts real quick, but the, like they they were viewed as uneducated, or, or at, at, at the very least, they were speaking with authority that they would not normally have had, mm-hmm. um, and certainly was outside their role. Yeah, you made the good point that they were educated, but they they, they didn't have any higher education like a rabbi would have had. Correct. Um, and then, of course, you know, again, look at Jesus himself, the Sermon on the Mount. Like there, so there's obviously a place for public speaking. Um, in, in our, our ministry, in our in our lives as Christians. And a lot of where uh, my feelings on this stem from is from CC, from Classical Conversations, because, you know, I think it's pretty unique that our, our kids go to this community thing 
uh, weekly and, and from a young age, you know, our kids, both, both of our, our kids have been doing these presentations, which again is, is public speaking. And, and when done correctly, I think it's, it's great because you teach them how to organize their thoughts. And, uh, mm-hmm. our, our kids are, my kids are, I, I, well, I know Ellie is too, you know, um, like a lot of their topics are really interesting. Yeah. Um, and I think because of that, when we see the way that they're able to get up on stage here, whether it's to do the Christmas play or read scripture, like they're quite comfortable up there. Right. And competent for sure. Um, and so, uh, I mean, that that's where some of that comes from. And so all that to say, um, yeah, why, why was I talking about that? Well, okay. So, so the reason I was talking, that's how you started your, that is how your, I, I started meditation. And one of the things that I was, was telling these kids is like, um, when, when you're chosen to, to get up before the congregation, like we, there, there are churches in the country where we have what, what I like to call the professional Christians, like went to school for, for Bible. Yeah. They're a preacher on staff and, and, and we don't necessarily have that here, but even outside that preacher role, if you're, you're teaching the adult class or, or, or whatever, one of the things I realized pretty early on is like, I'm no expert. I'm just the guy that did a little bit of reading in the week prior to class. And I've come prepared with some thoughts to share with people. And the mostly you're kind of there to facilitate conversation, but it's almost like we're a group of adults uh, educating each other mm-hmm. to a degree. Um, and so like, I, I think, I guess all that to say, like we're, we're all capable of it. Um, but at the same time, when it comes to the Lord's supper, a lot of times what I find myself doing is like, how do I make this new and interesting? So like, you're, we were kind of talking about this at lunch today. I used to be very particular and and I'm still relatively, um, like regimented I, regimented i'll, I'll use a, a, an outline for yeah. for a sermon but as i mentioned even today like i'll go off script occasionally because something will occur to you in the moment sure and that's something that i think can probably be developed but it's not going to be something somebody who's new at it is comfortable with well, it's like planning a mission for sure right and, and, and man like there is an element of um you know when like I want to be accountable for what I say. I want to say the correct thing. I don't want to lead anybody astray, particularly in that setting. Right. I mean, it is a position of influence. I don't want to take that lightly. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we always almost make it too difficult sometimes. And so when it comes to teaching the teens, like I don't really have a outline anymore. You know, I just kind of go in there with an idea of what I want to do. And um, like like a lot of times, we'll read through scripture and kind of maybe even just learn in the moment together. And I even, I mean, I've jokingly said before, and really it's not that much harder. It's not that hard to be that much smarter than a high schooler. (laughs) (laughs) Well, but I I think that there, there is something to that, you know, in the, what is it in Timothy Mm -hmm. first or second Timothy, where it says to, to be prepared in season and out of season Mm -hmm. to give a defense for the hope that is within you. Yeah. So that's, that's like, I mean, I guess you could say maybe that, maybe that uh, pertains more to people you just happen to meet rather than a, a scheduled thing that you have every week, like a Sunday school class. Yeah. But the thing is that if you're reading, praying, thinking, uh, uh, you know, about the Lord mm-hmm. and who he is, what he does, what, what he's revealed through the word, you're going, you're going to have something yeah. to share. Well, and, and again, I maybe to your comments earlier, where it feels like here we kind of have this ongoing conversation, regardless of who is leading singing or reading scripture. Um, you're able to pick up off of 
of where we were last week and continue. And then again, there seems to be this uh, things tend to sync up around here in a way that's unexpected. And I think that's, yeah. that's awesome. Um, but also uh, hopefully that's because even when we're not here, we continue to interact with the scripture and interact with one another. And uh, like you said, like pay attention and, and man, just like, like have a thought on something, have, yeah. have, have opinions, have, have something. Cause I, I mean, again, I generally have something swirl or swirling around in my head that I'd like to share with somebody, you know? Yeah. And the church of Christ uh, prides itself or has historically prided itself on being a, a part of the restoration movement. And, you know, you know, the term like trying to be a first century church mm-hmm. and, you know, on the one hand that that's not really possible. And on the other hand, it's a good goal. And maybe on a third hand, if, if that exists, um, it's, I don't know, it's the, the the New Testament church thing, it's just kind of a two-edged sword, I guess, or a right. three-edged sword or something, mm-hmm. which would be, I don't know what kind of thing that would be, a three-edged sword. Like a bayonet? How about a bayonet? <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's a bayonet. Right. Um, but if you if you look in Acts, it talks about when, when the believers would get together. It says that everyone brought, um, you know, a psalm or yeah, a hymn. That's a great point. Or a, a, a teaching... A, uh, a tongue, mm-hmm. an interpretation, an exhortation. So the, the things that you do uh, read about as being spiritual gifts, the idea was that when the church came together, that, that was, that's when people operated, not, not the only time, but like they, they, that's part of why they were getting together was so that this person who has this gift does that thing. Right. Um, or the person who had prepared this thing, you know, shared it or you know, it, it, it doesn't feel... Um, overly regimented, but it also doesn't feel chaotic. Well, and I, I don't know if I've said this here, or I definitely haven't said it in a while, but I, when I think about that and what the first century church uh, looked like, I think it probably looked a lot more like Sunday school than it does, did the primary worship service. Uh-huh. Because, like you said, it seemed like it was more interactive in this idea of people. They probably, But they probably sang more than we sing in Sunday school. At least in the adult class, and it seems like that they did things over the course of a meal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that that's so that that communion was in, in the midst of you know the the, the love feast. Mm-hmm. I don't know that that's what it seems like at least for for a while. Well, and so it's almost like that with the the structure that we've created, though it has its benefits we might have squashed some creativity and or the expectation that you bring something, Mm -hmm. bring a thought, bring a song, bring a, like have, have some input. Yeah. Although I will say that the thing that's nice about being in a small congregation is we can't afford to have people not participate. So, so there is that. Right. So back to like specific, so that, that is where you started your communion meditation. Yes. A little bit long drawn on, isn't it? So, so it is. Well, you said you were going to make it conversational. Philippians two, one through two, um, is the scripture I ended up using. And so ultimately what I was getting at is, so when it comes to communion, I, I, I've become less, less and less structured and, and, and been giving it less forethought and just kind of letting, just talking about what, what comes to me or what, as we would say, you know, God puts on my heart. And so on the drive in, Jessica's saying, well, what are you been thinking about? And like, what I keep thinking about is I keep thinking about the song when we meet in sweet communion, where the feast divine is fret spread. Hearts are brought in closer union while partaking of the bread. And so it's like hearts are brought in closer union while partaking of the bread. How? How is that? And so, you know, I opened up the old concordance and looked for some 
passages on unity and and union and and you know oneness and and this is the first one I came to, which admittedly is not is an atypical communion scripture. It says therefore I said Philippians two one and two yeah therefore if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ if any comfort from His love if any common sharing in the Spirit if any tenderness and compassion then make my joy complete by being like minded having the same love being one in spirit and of one mind. And so, so we see this, I mean, almost command to be like-minded, to have unity, to have this union. And so, but it, 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 it's like, what, what, what does the bread have to do with that? And I don't know that I necessarily, here we go, know the answer to that. Yeah. But I, but I, I guess I think if I think about it a little bit, I mean, I don't know. What do you, what do you think? I know you heard what I said up there, and I don't know if you recall it, but what what do you think? Like, what, well, does, what does the bread have to do with unity? Well, the thing that I remember that you said was not the thing that I was thinking, but I, I think is good. Mm-hmm. You were talking about how this is something that, that people are doing mm-hmm. everywhere. Yeah. You know, every continent is, you, you find people, you, you mentioned Jessica. Mm-hmm when she's been in Africa mm-hmm. and, and they, 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 they celebrate communion together and it's kind of like how we do it. Mm-hmm. So th- th- there is unity and the sense of common practice. Yeah. You know, if you, if you do walk into a place where, where you don't speak the same language as any of the people there, you don't look the same, you're not from the same place mm-hmm. and maybe nothing else about your, your lives, you know, really, have any sense of commonality it's like well this person is like eating this little piece of unleavened bread like like i've always done Mm -hmm. and doing it for the same reason yeah like that's that that's a pretty powerful unity so Mm -hmm. so so the the unity of of practice yeah let's say but i i think that there's unity in the bread like on so many levels, yeah. it, it's it's hard to it's hard to exhaust it all. So, commonality of practice would be one. But that, but then you have to ask, well, okay, so so yeah, you all do that, but like, what? Why do you do it? Like, what's the the undergirding meaning mm-hmm. that that produced this in the first place? So then then you of course go back to the fact that Jesus did it with with his disciples. It's like okay, all right, so there's. So we're identifying with an example. Mm-hmm. So we're we're trying to be one with Christ by doing what He did, and he, this is a thing that He did. Mm-hmm. And He asked His disciples that as often as they ate that bread, to do it in remembrance of Him, mm-hmm. because you know previously or in the Passover, they also ate in remembrance. Right. But He He was adding a, a or re- let's say revealing a, a layer of meaning. That that wasn't obvious. I think it, it was clear to Jesus, but it wasn't clear to the disciples. And so he was he was revealing th- this this new layer of meaning of in in remembering while while eating this bread. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so then you think, okay, well, what did Jesus say it meant? Well, uh, okay, so well, let's yeah, let me think about that. <laughs> let's go to a typical communion meditation verse. Uh, so this is my body. Yeah. Right. Do so. Yeah. 
do this all of you in remembrance of me for whenever you eat this bread, take drink this cup, uh, you pro- pro- proclaim the Lord's death. Or that's what Paul said, though, right? Right. What I received from the Lord, I yeah, I I uh, passed on to you, mm-hmm. or imparted also to you. So yes, and, and you know, but and Jesus said that too. This is my body, this is my blood. Mm-hmm. So in what sense is the bread the body of Christ? Mm-hmm. Like, why is that? Why is that a right thing to say? Hmm. I guess I know. I don't know. I've never really considered that. Well, I, I don't. I, I don't know that, that it's the body, but we're also the body. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so there's. It, anytime you're you're dealing with unpacking meaning, I don't know. Did you ever take trigonometry? I did. Okay. So, I can't. I don't know that I could do very well with trig if you set you know a worksheet of trigonometry problems in front of me. Yeah, me neither. But one of the things that I, that I remember from it is that a lot of trigonometry was learning what equaled what. Mm-hmm. And I know you could say that that's true for, for all of math. Right. But it, it seemed like a lot of what we were doing was, like when we were looking at an equation, let's say, um, you were trying to figure out if, and I guess this is kind of algebraic too, you're trying to figure yeah. out if the stuff on the left does in fact equal the stuff on the right. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's really not clear at first. You know, it's a mystery. Yeah. But in, in in the in the course of trig, you you find out that okay, well, this also means this, mm-hmm. and so there can be some substitution that helps you to un unpack or, or like reveal mm-hmm. reveal the mystery. So, um, like if you see um, the let's see, man, I would I wish I remembered more specifics. But 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 there's there are certain trigon- trigonometric functions which are just like ratios of, um, like one side of a triangle right triangle to to the other. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a uh, so there's sine, cosine, cosine tangent, tangent, yep. secant, and cosecant. Mm-hmm. Tangent. I mean, but there's uh, there's cotangent, and and sometimes you know what what you find is that you know this this particular function is actually one over this other function Mm -hmm. and so you can plug those you can plug those meanings in and it helps you like undo the knot Mm -hmm. so to speak and that's also the case in formal logic Mm -hmm. which i don't know if you've gotten into any formal logic with uh with your kids just a little bit and formal logic is a totally different beast than informal logic Mm -hmm. informal logic is to me that's fun but formal logic is, I mean, it's like a mathematical puzzle. Yeah. It's like computer science. If P is Q, therefore, right. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's tough. But but you find out through all of these rules that, okay, so you have this thing that equals this other thing. And if you know that, then you can plug in mm-hmm. its equal mm-hmm. into an expression or an equation. Yep. And that helps you work it out. Yeah. So, I, which, and it's almost easier to understand that stuff by understanding uh, like lacks of logic so so mm-hmm. logical fallacies even yeah yeah so. so if we think about the bread okay like that's a that's a mystery mm-hmm. you know it, it's a mystery because it's it's hard to, to i mean so jesus says this is my this is my body 
okay, tell you what, that, that's a mystery because it's not immediately obvious what he means by that. Mm-hmm. Like it, it takes some thinking, it takes some some figuring out, some unpacking, and and really the Christendom has been split over this issue. Mm-hmm. You have Catholics who who came up with the dogma of transubstantiation, mm-hmm. which holds that uh, by means of the blessing of the priest, that the elements, the 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 physical bread and wine literally, literally yeah like actually physically transform substance so mm-hmm. hence trans substantiation right it starts as one substance it becomes another right um i think that is it lutherans maybe who uh have the idea of consubstantiation which is one that kind of embraces the mystery they say okay this really is the body and blood of christ now we know that it doesn't actually look like taste like flesh and blood like we get that so it doesn't change substance but it really is the body and blood of christ mm-hmm. and then on the other side you have the more protestant understanding that that, that rejects most of the stuff that yeah. that, that came before and we refer and, to them as emblems emblems right rather than elements right and it's it's purely symbolic like the the connection is only in our in our minds like this is which I, I think that that's that's why sometimes the uh, I don't know if if you try to totally take away all the mystery and you say oh well that's just mm-hmm. I I think that it can have a negative effect yeah spiritually um now I'm I I don't I don't exactly know I don't know if I would put a label exactly on on what I happen to think but I mean Jesus says this is my body so he he, he means something. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> And so, so we need to, so, so what does he mean? Okay. So this is my body. So you're right that we are also his body. So we have mm-hmm. bread equals Jesus's body, but also Jesus's body equals the church. Mm-hmm. So, but if, if A equals B and B equals C, then you can say that A, A equals, equals C. C. Right. So if Christ is in you, well, that, that's that's your your hope of glory, mm-hmm. and if you're eating the bread, well, isn't that kind? Aren't you kind of doing that because Jesus is inside of you, and you want him to be inside you more? Mm-hmm. So I think that that's that's part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, another another way that 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 this is his his body. If you go back to the first time that he talked about his his body and his blood being real food mm-hmm. it's john chapter six mm-hmm. which is right after the feeding of the five thousand oh. and if you, if you recall um so you know he did the miracle he, he went across to the, to the other side in the night and then the people were looking for him right they're like hey where did you go we're hungry again today sir give us this bread always and and so forth and so on and so jesus was pretty irritated and so he's so he said, I tell you the truth, my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. If a man does not eat my flesh and drink my blood, he has no part part with me. Hmm. And because and that, that kind of put a damper on the whole situation and a lot of people left him. And then he, I, I believe that's when he also turned to the disciples and he said, so, uh, so are you all going to leave me too? And I think that's when Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? you have the words of life hmm. or the words of eternal life. 
Yeah. So what's also bound up in this meaning, I think I like the word meaning more than just symbolism because not that I don't like the word symbolism, but I think that symbolism has been kind of relegated to being just figurative and it's like kind of hanging out with like unicorns and yeah. like leprechauns and, and mm-hmm. junk. Mm-hmm. So meaning. So so the, the, the meaning here is is tied together with eternal life. Mm-hmm. You know, because we see that in Peter's response. Yeah. It's like, well, does eating have something to do with life? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Certainly. Like, continuing to put something inside of you does have a, a great deal to do with whether or not you keep living. Yeah. And that shouldn't be any surprise because all the way in the beginning, going back to Genesis, sorry, Owen, like, that that was the case. Mm-hmm. You know, you had the, the two trees. You had the... the the tree of life and you had the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Right. And, and they, they were not innately immortal. It's clear because God said when he kicked them out that he had to put those, those angels like as sentinels guarding the entrance to the garden, mm-hmm. lest they take and eat and live forever. Right. So they, it, it's, it seems like they were mortal if, if they needed access to the tree of life in order to, to live and the only way that they had access to it was through obedience mm-hmm. so moving forward so if we're, if we're going to, to think think about living and you know there's living on the one hand like the kind of living that's enabled by eating mm-hmm. physical stuff okay so if, if there's if there's physical life that's enabled by the physical eating that we do it stands to reason that, that food is not the only thing that we put inside of ourselves. Right. There are other things that we put inside of ourselves because the Lord has made other orifices. Mm-hmm. You know, thanks be to God, mm-hmm. there are more orifices besides our mouth. <laughs> Go on. We have ears. Yeah. And, and the stuff goes in there too. And, and, and the stuff that goes into our ears, we, we, it, it's also, it's digested. Mm-hmm. You know, it's processed. Right. And it, it, it has an effect. It has, it has a, a real effect. And th- there's also this, this idea in the scriptures that, you know, what is seen is temporary and what is unseen is eternal. Mm-hmm. And the things that are happening inside of our what, heart or mind or whatever, that's unseen. So it, 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 ha- it, it stands to reason that it pertains to eternal life. And so this bread that is Jesus's body, mm-hmm. it's like, well, okay, so like, so why why are you, why are you doing this? Like, why don't you just eat a regular breakfast? Mm-hmm. Like, well, because right now I'm thinking about Jesus, yeah, who I can't see, yeah, and what he did that I can't see, mm-hmm. but I can see this thing that's a whole lot like this thing that he was looking at when he started talking about it, yeah. Okay, a couple things. Yeah. So, it's it. There's something to be said too, because of, of, with it being bread, like it's not some rare Middle Eastern item. Yeah. You know, and so certainly there's some commonality there. Yeah. Because uh, I mean, who who doesn't have bread? What culture doesn't have bread? Right. Yeah, it's universal. Right. Um, I want to back up though to something you said. You know, because there's this idea of us ingesting 
things other ways through yeah. our ears. We talked about the eyes being a window to the soul, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or a light. Yeah. Um, but it, it's interesting too. Uh, so we talked about the fruit of the spirit this morning in church mm-hmm. and that's what I've been discussing with the kids repeatedly, but that it's fruit. Hmm. So is, is it possible that to, in order to sustain the spirit, we must ingest fruit to a certain extent? Yeah, that's a good point. Right. Or, yeah, I, or, I typically thought of that, and, and this is you know common enough, you think of the fruit of the spirit as just the stuff that you try to do or be. Mm-hmm. But there's also something to the, the communal aspect right. of it, because if... Um, if you are kind or, or loving or, you know, you show self-control when, you know, you have maybe good reason not to be mm-hmm. and like, and I experience that, yeah. you know, like I'm actually eating of your fruit. Right. I'm, I'm feeding your like spirit it, potentially. It, it does me good. Yeah. Yeah. Like it does you good for having produced it and it does me good for having, you know, partaken of it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, I guess maybe kind of tying a bow on what I I was talking about, and then you could translate transition to the <clears throat> your the sermon. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the points I made too is specifically with the new year is this idea of, of unity, union, unity, being united, um, and how simultaneously. I mean that that was the second of January that so it was last week. And of course, this week what, what are we on now? The eighth, so the ninth, ninth. Sorry. So January sixth was this week that they're they're making mm-hmm. a big deal out of the one one year anniversary of this thing, which is odd to me. It was a big Fed party, but I digress. Right, and then there's always just there's there's all this recognition and even calling it seems like from from other people of of us to be divided, and so, um, among among other things, maybe maybe somehow this <clears throat> is a cure for that, uh, or 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 even. Or, or even we can just make a conscious choice to not let them, they, it, the powers that be, divide us, you know. So and so, so maybe somehow this is a part of that, like refusing, refusing to be divided, you know, uh, uh, devoting ourselves to to being united. Because again, I think that's what God wants for us. And so the other scripture I use, John seventeen twenty through twenty six, says Jesus prays for all believers. I. I I pointed to the, the idea that he he says as much. It says, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. One, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, and that they may be one as we are one. I in them, and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and I love them even as you have loved me. Hmm. And so, I mean, it was at that point, it was just kind of like, you know, whoever's passing it up here, let's pray. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because I felt like, like how better to close it than with the words of Jesus himself. Like he's saying, we need to be one as he is one with the father. Like, they, like we need to be united. And it says, may I pray, I, my prayer is not for them alone. We'd have to back up, see who he's, well, so he prays for his disciples but then he prays for all believers. And so his desire is for us to be united. And again, I, I, I mentioned this today. Like I don't, I can ask a question to make a point and maybe somebody else can answer it either to themselves or, you know, somebody smarter than me can make a better argument. Maybe that's you. <laughs> Somehow I think 
you know, the bread, it would seem the bread is, uh, can be part of that, can be a solution of sorts, mm -hmm. you know? And yeah. that, and so that was it. That was kind of, I guess that's my part. I don't know. But, well, I mean, and you have to come together to eat. For sure. Which is interesting because I was listening to Jordan Peterson this week, an old clip, and he talked about that that's something that's very unique about humans. We're like one of the few species where eating is communal. Like with a lot of animals, you know, they take down a gazelle and mm -hmm. the strongest eat first and then everybody else get, fights over the scraps. Yeah. Where, and, and part of what he was talking about is the importance of, um, you know, doing away with the devices and, and sitting at the table and, and communing with one another and how that builds maybe cohesion within families and it's an opportunity to, to converse and, and to, you know, uh, I think he was talking about children specifically because I was actually watching a video on rough and tumble play, but he started off talking about having meals and how you need to stretch your children. So I, I imagine what he was saying is both physically show them what the limitations are and, and when yeah. what being too rough can be like and, and so on. And that's kind of your role as a parent, a dad specifically, I would say. Um, but then also maybe around the dinner table, stretching each other intellectually. But, but it, like to your point, and we've talked about that before. Like if I ask you to have a meal with me, like – I think it might be lost on a lot of us how really like significant that is that somebody would, would take the time to prepare food food for you or, or at least share that time with you. Mm -hmm. And so again, apparently something unique to humans. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and th and that, that's a picture. I, I mean, people around a table is a picture of unity for sure. Yeah. Um, and then eating. I mean, if you're all eating the same thing, well, then the same stuff is inside you. Yeah. And I mean, and that's, that's, that's the idea of Christianity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like you're putting the same stuff inside you as I am. Yeah. Because it's good. Yeah. And it's, it's doing something to us. Like it's doing good, healthy things mm -hmm. on the inside that ends up, you know, manifesting. Yeah. On the outside. Yeah. So that, that was, yeah, a roundabout conversational take on Byron's communion meditation, which, you know, honestly, we could, I mean, I, I don't have any problem with the way that we at, at Allensville quote, do church, mm -hmm. you know, zero problems with it. Right. Like I, I, I think it's simple and good and fine, but I think that there would be some validity sometimes in, or it wouldn't even, it wouldn't have to be at church. It, you know, it could be in, in, in your home or, or my home to just have a conversation like this, mm -hmm. you know, about the scriptures that come to mind when we think about Jesus and his sacrifice and, and its effect on us. Yeah. Especially its effect on us c communally. And, you know, we, we, we talk about that and we sing about it and we, we read some scriptures for a while. And then at the end of it, we, we do it. Right. Well, you know, like if, if we did that on a Sunday morning, like why do you need a sermon? Mm -hmm. It's like, well, we've, we've done what we came here to do. Um, well, you know, I'm sorry. I'm trying to get over to here. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. But it's the, the, uh, okay. 
and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up on meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouragement, encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So, like, usually we use that verse to, uh, you know, wag our finger at people that aren't coming to church. Mm-hmm. And I guess in a way, that's kind of what I'm doing here, but I, I guess it's more, I, I want to implore people, like, please come to church, but please come to Sunday school. Because that's the the thing about it is, and I'm I also am not complaining about how we quote unquote do church here, but if you're missing out on the interactive portion, shall we say, where you, we have a chance to have a back and forth, like you're missing out on an opportunity to encourage, but also for you to, you know, share your fruit with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, because man, like I I want to know what other people think, and I get excited about those conversations. And again, certainly we don't need to do them here. It, it would, be, would be would be great in any setting. Um, but when I think about again, some some of the folks in particular at our church, when when they have something to say, like it, it, it gets me excited, mm-hmm. you know. And so, I, I mean, I agree. I think that would be it would be extremely beneficial, you know. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we can. I don't know. That might take some some more talking later. But that might be a good thing to do sometime. Because ultimately, what we're talking about is another opportunity to opportunity to communicate communicate yeah so uh then over to to the sermon that that i gave last sunday i mean sermon it's kind of a weird word Mm -hmm. the the talking about the bible that i did after (laughs) we sang another song after communion yeah (laughs) so what i had in mind to to talk about was prayer Mm mm-hmm and, you know, I, I was kind of New Year's type of thing, like, you know, what could we try to do a little bit more of in the new year? We should pray. Here are some passages that talk about that. But when, so so your, your communion meditation didn't change my topic, but it, it, it gave me a, a different way of, of, of entering and approaching the scriptures that, that, that I had in mind. Right. And and I don't know that that's that, that's just kind of a, a cool thing to me that you know so I've got this thing on my mind you had this thing on your mind and the the one affected mm-hmm. the other so uh, communion and 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 unity and all that and so I you know thinking about the connection between that and prayer it's like well there's the word communicate mm-hmm. you know in communion and communicate it's like well what's What's the difference? I mean, like one's a noun and and the other, the other's a verb, mm-hmm. and and you kind of talked about this after. After church, on on Sunday, I, I guess maybe maybe you thought of the word communicator. Like you you brought up a a word that was also mm-hmm. related to those others, and and so we talked briefly about. Uh, I mean, so you have unity, but when you add that, uh, that that calm prefix mm-hmm. to it to where you have come union mm-hmm. come unity mm-hmm. come unicate mm-hmm. so it means together or with mm-hmm. and so you, you you might you might say well isn't that a little bit redundant because doesn't unity mean oneness but i i think that it's it's a good thing to add because it's together oneness. 
Right. So it's it's not singularity. It's not or it's not individuality. Let's right. say mm-hmm. it's the the calm. You know, it, it indicate and well it, on camera you can see this, but I'm I'm using my hands. They're they're spread out. You know, about three feet apart. And as I say calm, I'm moving them towards myself, or I guess maybe towards towards the microphone to indicate the direction of the word. So communion communicate community it's together oneness Mm -hmm. so i mean it really does mean starting separate Mm -hmm. but not staying separate yeah um like the the status quo perhaps is separateness but the new thing is the together Mm -hmm. togetherness so in thinking about all of that i went back to genesis as i often do and uh, we, we looked in Genesis chapter 1 at how that idea of communion mm-hmm. is right there in the first chapter. Yeah. It doesn't say the word, but it's, it's talking about the same thing. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth, were, and the earth was uh, formless and void, or dark and formless. And uh, the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. And so um, I mentioned that the words that we have translated as formless and void or whatever it is in in your translation, that those words in Hebrew are tohu and bohu. Mm -hmm. And that those words are interesting because the definition that we're given for them in, you know, just a Bible dictionary or concordance or strongs or, or whatever, they don't arrive at the definition because... They know the definition. They arrive at the definition due to like process of elimination, right? Because tohu and bohu don't show up anywhere else in the scriptures. Mm-hmm. It's it's only right there in in Genesis chapter one. So after it mentions the earth being formless and void, you know that's like God starts speaking. You know He says, "Let there be light," and, and there was light. And He started, you know, He separated the waters you know you had the waters above and the waters below he's like okay there's a space in the middle i'm going to call that the firmament or sky or heaven and all, all of this talking that 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 god does this speaking this speaking of, of of order you know he speaks the sun moon and stars into existence on on day four um you know trees and and, and all all of this talking that's making stuff happen and and isn't just making stuff happen, but bringing order. Like that's a lot of what God's creation was. He was making on the one hand, but he was ordering mm-hmm. on the other. Well, so so if tohu and bohu describe what things were like before all of the communication that God was doing with His creation, right? Then it's pretty clear that tohu and bohu must, I mean, basically mean chaos. Yeah. A total lack of order. Um, there's, there, there's, there's no, no unity. There, there's nothing together. Be, I mean, that's really what what chaos is. I mean, a chair in pieces is chaos, but a chair put together is is a, is a single thing. You know, it's 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 the union of various pieces ordered specifically to perform a task. Mm-hmm. And tohu and bohu is just the the opposite of of all of that yeah so then uh move forward from from there 
and, and creation to see that what God was doing constantly and consistently was communicating mm-hmm. with, with man. Mm-hmm. So in the, in the garden, God communicated with him to tell him what he wanted him to do and what he, what he wanted to tell him not to do. Mm-hmm. And then even in the fall, that didn't sever the communication. Right. Because, and, and I had never thought of this before, and I think that if if you wouldn't have said what you said at communion, even though it's totally different, I, I wouldn't have had this thought mm-hmm. that even in the curse, you know, God, God God pronouncing the curse on Adam and Eve and the serpent, he's still communicating with them. Yeah. And so if there's communication, then that means that there's effort for together oneness, mm-hmm. like com- coming together. Yeah. I mean, that's that, that's just literally what the word what the word means we also have evidence that after the fall there was continued communication yeah between god and i guess adam eve cain and abel because first of all somehow they knew to build an altar Mm -hmm. somehow they knew that that god wanted an offering Mm -hmm. of, of a lamb right but we don't we don't have a record of that but we can we can infer that that communication must have happened yeah for for them to be doing that in the first place, mm-hmm. and then of course God God actually goes directly to Cain, both before he he killed Abel and afterwards, mm-hmm. which which is fascinating. So then then we go forward. Um, Enoch walked with God, which is exactly what it says that Adam did in the garden. Right, he walked with God, and then he was no more for God took him. Mm-hmm. We go forward a little bit further. We have Noah. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He was perfect in his generations, and God talked to him. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he communicated with him. Yeah. And we don't we don't know if it was an audible voice or if it was just like the very precise impression on Noah's mind of all of the things that it's recorded that God said to him. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it was if it was audible and you know external, let's say, or if it was inaudible and and interior. Mm-hmm. The effect is the same. I mean, because like God's voice is God's voice. And we we actually have stories that that prove that that it actually doesn't matter what form it takes if it's God it's God I mean it doesn't matter if it's a burning bush mm-hmm. or a still small voice or um, you know a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night or if it's uh, an angel of the Lord yeah yeah exactly an angel of the Lord um, which by the way up on the mountain uh, Moses it, I, I was reading that again today it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, it really gives you the impression that he just spent so much time with God, and he's just finally like, like, I want to see you. Yeah. You know? Like, please, can I just see you? Yeah. You know? Right. And and over and over in, in, in the scriptures, we have God communicating. Well, so let me let me jump in here real quick. Something I, I, I thought about this past week, and it, and it was because of your message, because of this idea of communicating. I was listening to... I don't know, random YouTube channel. I can't remember which one it was. Dude, perfect. No, yeah, <laughs> no. They're talking about hell and whether or not God created hell and, uh, you know, to what degree he's responsible for that and this, that, and the other. And it, what it got me thinking of, of is I don't remember where I learned this, but I remember learning that um, basically like, like hell just being outside of communication with God. Or at least that's a portion of it. Well, when you said that, like, like 
if if somebody's wondering if God created hell or not, if hell does exist, then it would fall under the purview of John one. Mm-hmm. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Right. So if it's a thing that exists, we know who made it. Right. My my point is this is. You know, I, I guess in this conversation they were talking about like what do we know about hell? Do we know that it's this place of torment and things like that? And again, I think there are probably some scriptures that speak to that. Mm-hmm. But I think it's like fire fire and brimstone or no fire and brimstone, I think part of what makes it hell is that you're unable to communicate with God. Because like you said, even now we can communicate with God. And I almost think like that's enough. Like all the other things maybe are there, maybe are necessary, but not being able to communicate is, is, is hell enough. And, and, and this is speaking as somebody who's been unable to communicate with like my loved ones before. Yeah. Like how, how many people actually experience that these days? I was thinking yeah. about that when we look, look at some of the, you know, partic- potential conflicts ahead, how we are able to communicate is going to be a lot different than what we've been able to do in the, like the war on terror, let's say where we were really, really the big kids on the block and, and, and could communicate freely. Whereas, in the fights that are to come, having these giant electromagnetic signatures that our military has will get you killed. And so we might be back to the days that I remember where you have to write letters or maybe you don't communicate at all mm-hmm. un- until you come home. And so like that's that's hard, not yeah. being able to, to talk to the people you love. Like even in jail now where they have all these quote-unquote comforts in our modern prison system – where they're being fed, like they're not being tortured, they're being fed, and and they live. Uh, <laughs> I won't say how, but I had the opportunity to go to a prison in a recent training event, and uh, it was really cold out. And I remember stepping into the the main like cell block. <laughs> it was like, holy, oh man! It was with the other other guys with him. Like, we're we're in jail. Like, isn't this crazy? But it was really warm in there, you yeah. know. And they have TV and 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 you know wreck time and all that stuff and i'm not trying to make it seem better than it is because it's not you're in jail but i think probably the one thing that's still unique to jail that is unlike other things that like being on a deployment let's say is you cannot communicate freely with your family Mm -hmm. you know uh i have a family member (laughs) i won't say how he's related to me who's in prison and i know like if he wants to call home he has to go you know it's at a certain time and he's calling collect other than that, he's writing letters. Mm-hmm. And so I think part of what, even even in, with the modern jail system, what still makes it uh, undesirable is not being able to communicate freely with those that you love. All that to say this is hell is probably hell for many reasons, but if nothing else, it's hell because you're out of communication with God. Like I think there's something to that, perhaps. Yeah, well, without... And this was one of my points that without communication, there's not relationship. Correct. And so if right. if we have all of these clear attempts by the creator to communicate, mm-hmm. so it, it, it must mean that he wants relationship because really that's another word for communion. Yeah. I mean, if, if two people are, 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 are related, it means they're, they're, there's an attempt at oneness. Right. There's there's a coming together that's obvious. It's it's implied in the word relationship. Yeah. You know, even if that's not like technically in the dictionary definition, I mean, like that's that's what we're talking about. 
Yeah, man, you made me think of something. I don't know if you can if you can keep talking for a second. Yeah, sure. Was it Romans nine twenty two? And so the the way that this connects with prayer, because like, so it, it was prayer that was on my mind, but so far I haven't said anything about prayer. I've just talked about or given examples of God communicating. Mm-hmm. But the thing about communication is that it's two way. Yeah. And so I wound up in Romans 8 with a suggestion for prayer, but oh, you, you go ahead with yours. I'm in Romans, Romans 9. Well, you know, we're talking about the fruit <laughs> of spirit downstairs, and uh, one of the young men down there, Luke, he drew patience. And so what I had them doing is read me some of the scriptures that I, I gave you, you know, and tell me when you read it what, what you're thinking of. And so Romans 9, 22, it says, What if God, although choosing to show his wrath and make his power known, bore with great patience the objects of his wrath, prepared for destruction. What if he did this to make the riches of his glory known to the objects of his mercy, whom he prepared in advance for glory? And so there's this idea of, you know, God has the ability to show us wrath, and and has in the past. We look at the flood, we look at... Uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah, certainly. Yeah. And even individuals who've been smitten, smited? <laughs> smote. Smote. <laughs> they they dumb been smote. Yeah. But... But at the same time, I mean, to your point, it's like it takes two to communicate, and we see in the Scripture his continual attempt to try and reach us, to try to reach the people of Israel. And so, you know, maybe hell is where he's like, okay, I'm just not, I'm not trying anymore. Like, you've had your opportunity. And certainly, I mean, this is ultimately this, we talk about having a relationship with God, and if people have had a relationship before that's that's failed, I mean, I've said it before, the opposite of love isn't hate, the opposite of love is indifference. Hmm. When you have somebody who is just, he, they, they're not going to try anymore, or let's say just, uh, maybe they just they just kind of like cut you off completely. Like they cease to exist. They're not answering phone calls. They're not, you know, um, like that's, that's a, that's a tough place to be. Yeah. You know, ghosted. Yeah. And so imagine when the creator of the universe isn't going to try anymore. Right. He's not going to try to reach you anymore. Right. Uh, C.S. Lewis said that there, in the end, there are two kinds of people. Those who say to God, thy will be done. Mm -hmm. And those to whom God says in the end, thy will be done. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. It turns, it turns out that he who seeks finds he who asks or he he who knocks the doors open. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, in other words, like in the end, you get what you want. Well, you know, here what's interesting. Let me ask. This is one more thing. Sorry, I know you're trying to get to Romans eight, but that's okay. One of the other guys had peace, and in this matrix in my Bible, it defines peace as harmony in all relationships, which is interesting because I know you've mentioned this before. In you know, in the class we're talking about that. It's like, how would you define peace? this particular young man he's like no conflict hmm Hmm. so you think that peace is merely a lack of conflict and we've been reading from isaiah right the prince of peace mm-hmm. so would you say that jesus is the prince of no conflict and they're like <laughs> well no right in fact can you think of an interaction he had with the pharisee where there wasn't conflict i can think of one nicodemus right but other than that, there was conflict. Right. So certainly peace isn't just a lack of conflict. And, you know, that that's, like, aside from, from the, the point that you, you made, th- there's an even bigger point, which is 
our we function based on the definitions that that we have assumed Mm -hmm. you know like so if that's what he came up with like well okay so peace means no conflict that means that all of the scriptures that he's ever read about peace Mm -hmm. that's what he's taken from it yeah and i don't mean that it's totally conscious i don't mean that it's exactly on purpose right but but that that that's really revelatory like like when you discover the way that somebody defines a word yeah and whether or not that corresponds to reality mm-hmm. like that's that, that that's what teachers need to be doing yeah teachers need to be helping people recognize what the the definitions of of words are yeah uh, Wendell Berry said that the world is babbled to pieces after the divorce of things from their names. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and we see that playing out. You know, it's it's so bad now that you know, up has become down, left has become right, wrong has become right. Like we we have among us now plenty of people loudly declaring that everything that we know is good mm-hmm. is evil, mm-hmm. and everything that we know to be to be evil is good. I mean. Total, total inversion, which is definitional chaos. Yeah. So yeah, good job. Well, but here's the thing I wanted to talk about. So this idea of harmony in all relationships, we started talking about this. So what's, oh, yeah. what, what's harmony? And of course they're like, well, that's when you sing together. Like they sing, you sing these, the same notes. And granted, I'm talking to a couple of people who may, are not particularly musical. Like, well, no, right. Because if we sing the same notes... That's singing in unison. Right. So we can sing in harmony, like sing together, Mm -hmm. but we're not in unison. And that's actually better. Right. Well, so if we talk about this idea here, though, of communicating or or oneness in the church. In the church, we're, we're, we're one in that we're together, but we're not the same. Right. Like, I mean, it says that. It's one body of, of different parts. Yeah, the body is a unit, though it's made up of many parts. And though its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ, for we were all baptized by one spirit and one body, whether Jew or Greek, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Oh, well done. But so then there's this idea, I guess, well, let me see if I can kind of get to what, what you were talking about, though, this idea of, you know, I mean, if he's the prince of peace, he's the prince of bringing harmony to all relationships. Like at some point, at some point, we're going to bring all relationships into harmony because uh, some people are no longer going to communicate with us. So any dissonance that there might have been, another musical term, is just going to go away, mm-hmm. per- perhaps. I think that's the point I was going to make. Yeah. Anyway. Sorry, that was my phone going off. Okay, sorry. Romans. Romans 8. Romans and and this will be probably a good place to good place to kind of tie a bow on it. Tie a bow on it. As you like to say. Nice. Okay, um, I'm going to read verses uh, 12 through, and I read a, a lot of this before, um, but I'll just start in verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, 
that we may also be glorified together. So this doesn't seem at first to be talking about prayer because it doesn't ever say the word prayer, but it talks about uh, that by the Spirit we cry out. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, if, if God's been talking to people mm-hmm. for a long time and, and we, we recognize that, that that's a thing that God does, that he 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 communicates mm-hmm. with man and he, he's involved in the affairs of man. Well, then if, if we, if we, if we cry out, Abba father, that's a prayer. Mm-hmm. I think that that maybe is a, a, a way to understand what prayer is mm-hmm. and why it's important. Like why it's not just important. Like it's just, it's, it's, it's necessity. It's, um, I, I I I don't know how 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 more simply to state that, mm-hmm. but prayer is not simply this you know the thing that you do to say thank you, which is prayer. Yeah, it's not just uh, please bless so and so because they're sick, which that is that is prayer, <clears throat> but it's reciprocating. Like yeah. God started the talking, He started the conversation, mm-hmm. and so it's it's just talking it back mm-hmm. it's responding yeah and so it's like well okay so so what do i pray jesus's disciples w- wanted to know how to pray so it's a it's a good question mm-hmm. and and he he did tell them how to pray and that that's a good prayer to pray by the way but crying out abba father is also a prayer yeah and if that comes to you i mean i don't think that satanists or Marxists, uh, that's sort of the same thing. Um, I don't think that they're crying out Abba Father. Mm-hmm. I, d- I don't think that materialists are crying out Abba Father, because if they were crying out Abba Father, they wouldn't be materialists. Mm-hmm. So if you're crying out Abba Father, like if that's something that comes to you, or even the thought that, like of referring to to the creator of the universe as Father, well, that's evidence that his spirit is in you. Like that's what this is saying. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's good news. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a good way to look at prayer, and it's it's real it's real practical. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I guess if it's is like, and th- this is like uh, in keeping with the idea of being childlike, like we are children, co heirs, uh, one with Christ. I mean, I, I guess I've heard this before. This idea of saying Abba, Father. That's like saying Dad. Yeah, you know. <clears throat> yeah. And so. Um, I mean, I guess we can see how that is an expression of you having bond with your actual, your biological father. Mm-hmm. Certainly, and it's an expression of you having a bond with your your heavenly father. Right. Right. Yeah. So it's like there's bread and there's bread and there's father and there's father. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's th- there's the stuff that you do see and the stuff that you don't see. Mm-hmm. The things that you see are temporary, and the things that you don't see are eternal. Mm-hmm. But you know, part of the good news also is that the unseen is only unseen right now. Mm-hmm. That's what John says in first. I think you read from First John this morning. I did. And one of the things that I flipped to in First John while you were reading uh, says this. Um, <clears throat> I want to say it's in First John two, and I I could paraphrase this easy enough but let's see uh, no no it's in, it's in one 
that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That, w- that which we have seen and heard we declare to you that you may have also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Okay, that, that, was, that wasn't it. That's really good. Um, but that wasn't the, the part. The part that, 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 that I was looking at was um, what, we, what we shall be has not yet been manifest. Oh, man. What, what, what? Oh, yeah. Sorry, it's in three. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. So in other words, it's not seen right now. Mm-hmm. What we shall be is invisible. It's in chapter 3? Yeah, chapter 3, verse 2. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure i shall be like him yeah exactly right so so we don't see him right now i mean for all intents and purposes for us right now he's invisible he's invisible because he's in a different place Hmm. and so what we what we shall be is invisible because it's in the future it kind of reminds me of what was in 1 Corinthians 13 as well. For now, we only see a reflection yeah. as in a, in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, right. even as I am fully known. Right. Yeah. And, and then it goes on to say, it talks about when that which is perfect has come. Mm-hmm. Which, that's invisible too. Like that's that's yet in the future, which is is more talk of this idea of like completeness, uh, right? Which caught, goes back to peace. Caught some of that today. We're talking about love and 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 how that pertains to, or, or or by loving our neighbor, God's love is complete in us. Which again, I, I'm reminded of the idea of trials bringing perseverance, perseverance character, and that brings completeness somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah interesting yeah so so how, how does all that bring completeness how, how would perseverance bring completeness well because like if we're looking forward to something that isn't here yet mm-hmm. we have two choices we can persevere or we can give up mm-hmm. so we look forward to completeness yeah in first corinthians 5 it says that we don't long to be unclothed we long to be clothed upon so in other words like we don't look forward to like our hope isn't like escaping the body and the the realm of the forms and i mean the realm of the particulars and to enter like the immaterial realm of uh realm of the forms Mm -hmm. like that's kind of what he's he's responding to like that's a very it feels feels very like greek Mm -hmm. in, in what he's talking about he says we desire to be clothed upon. So in other words, it's not like we don't want bodies anymore. Mm-hmm. We want these. We want the the mortal bodies to be to become immortal, mm-hmm. which is exactly what happened with Jesus. Yeah. But again, like it that fits in with with everything that we're talking about because like all of this stuff. I mean, it's it's really good news that God is communicating with us, and it's really good news that. If we're communicating with him in the first place, it's evidence that he is communicating with us. 
and that all of this is real in the first place and that there's something that we're looking forward to in the future that currently is invisible but will become visible and will actually happen Mm -hmm. and so we persevere and and you know like so many how many millions of christians have you know just been slaughtered you know mercilessly it's like well how do you face that Mm -hmm. well your hope must be in something that you can't see yet Mm -hmm. that you think you will be able to see yeah at a point in the future yeah is that your final thought? I think so. Okay. I guess, I, as you're saying that, I'm thinking about this. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. And so, again, I'm thinking about this this idea of unity, union, oneness, communication, where, like, I don't, I, I don't doubt that God is capable of making me feel loved, like just me and him. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting that there is this dynamic where I, God can love me and I can love God, but but God can't reach down here and put his arms around me. Right. But another lover of God can do that. Mm-hmm. And so how there has to be this this communication between me and God and between you and God and mm-hmm. between me and you for us to have, like, I guess, completeness, unity, union. Well, and that, that goes back to what Jesus prayed mm-hmm. in John 17. Yeah. Uh, I and you and, and, and them and me. Mm-hmm. So that we, we we may all be one, right? Well said, you too. So who has to pray this week? I think we both have to pray. <laughs> <laughs> like we're gonna hold hands and I'll squeeze when you're when I'm done. Yeah, like like camp. <laughs> I'm not holding your hand. Yeah, me either. There's not more than there needs to be needs to be needs to be at least one other person here for us to hold hands. And all we have is a picture of Orange Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'll do I'll do it. Okay. Um, Abba Father, thank you. Thank you for communicating with us, for for that being so clear throughout your word, and that you've done it since the beginning, and and you're doing it now. And we look forward to the day when the things that we hope, the things that we we trust, the things that we trust you for, uh, namely Jesus himself and his return, and our becoming immortal like him, we, we can't see it right now. But we believe it, and we we hope for it, and we hope that that day comes soon. Uh, But help us by your Spirit to persevere, and to be in in unity with you and with all with all believers while we wait for that to happen. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.